everyone, welcome to Book Conversations. We're your hosts, Sayed and I'm Mahmouda. Join us as we have conversations inspired by books. Hi everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Book Conversations. This episode's conversation is inspired by Emma Dabiri's Don't Touch My Hair. So, Suad, what's the book about? This book is about why black hair matters and how it can be viewed as a blueprint for decolonization. Over a series of essays, Emma Dabiri takes us from pre-colonial Africa through the Harlem Renaissance, black power, and onto today's natural hair movement, the cultural appropriation wars, and beyond. We look at everything from hair capitalists like Madame C.J. Walker in the early 1900s to the rise of Cher Moisture today, from women's solidarity and friendship to black people time, forgotten African scholars and the dubious <laughs> provenance of Kim Kardashian's braids. Don't Touch My Hair proves that far from being only hair, black hairstyle and culture can be understood as an allegory for black oppression and ultimately liberation. Power to the people. Power to the people, you know. That's a very extensive description. I think that's probably the longest description of a book that we've had. Yeah, but I think it captures, it encapsulates, because the book is so rich, it does encapsulate what the book is about. It really does. I like so it. What okay, well, you're, I feel like you have more to talk about, so you can go first. So you my thoughts about the book. I really like her. Oh, good. I wasn't obsessed, but the thing is, I think I'm more obsessed about research because I love research. So I love when I can see how much effort and research and time goes into something. And I just kept thinking about how inaccessible quite a lot of these resources would probably have been. And also, again, the amount of time it would have t- taken her to find all of these things, go through and put it together to form a coherent, argument even if I didn't agree with some of it but she did work really hard on it I think I was just obsessed with the research that went into this literally and I recommend it to a lot of people because I learned so much from it there's so much I didn't know about that I thought wow this is quite eye-opening yeah so I loved her writing style I love how her sense of humor literally like permeates the book you can feel the way she is when you read even that what's that thing Kermit the Frog is in the book so um that was cute Remember that picture of him sipping his tea where she was like, I'm going to just mind my business and sip my tea. I listened to it. So um, honestly, I do feel like I remember oh, less. Yeah. Okay, fair. I did make so notes I, once I, I read the physical copy. That's fine. Did um, she I have things in the book? Is, yeah, lots of um, hair, of the styles. Oh, it's so nice to see different pictures. One of like her grandma with her cousin, different air styles. So you know when she talked about like chemical damage to her she showed it every time she mentions for example she showed pictures of a maasai warrior styling another one's hair that's what i meant by the amount of research because there was pictures to back it up even uh. though it was some of them are from like the old times there's a picture from like 1941 when she was talking about the share moisture stuff as well like there were mm. lots of pictures to back up what she was talking about so for example the fractal braiding there is a picture of it in the book and that's what she was cool. talking about um so yeah i really like that there are lots of pictures in the book um, because it was good for reference. Anyways, one thing that particularly stood out, stood out to me was um, the section where she talked about how beauty was viewed in the Yoruba land. So, I mean, before I read this book, I've had like conversations in general just about like the impact of colonization. And even though some people say, yeah, but well, the white people have left your country, you don't realize how much how much it takes to unlearn something that's been so deeply ingrained. And one example I normally think about is how like you're made to feel like you're not beautiful because of the color of your skin. And yes, I know now that obviously maybe people are learning and doing better, but I just think about how much 
like how far behind we still are from where we used to be before. So in the book, she talks about how like Yoruba's had different phrases for calling people beautiful. So when you're light skinned, like when you're light skinned, they could there's a term for you being beautiful, and then when you're dark skinned, there's also a way to describe someone that's beautiful. But she also talks about how like your beauty was barely ever tied to the color of your skin. Yeah, it was I more about much. you as a whole person. So it was just make it made me think a lot about how deeply entrenched the mentality of color and um, versus beauty is and just how much effort it takes to then unlearn that your beauty is more than the color of your skin um, mm. and i think about it from an islamic perspective as well how like no matter how you you look right regardless of societal standards because allah fashioned you you're beautiful um and how does the dua for when you look at when you see yourself in the mirror you tell allah to make your inside as beautiful as is made you outside so whether or not society agrees that you're beautiful Islam affirms that you're beautiful because you've been fashioned by Al-Musawwir, the yeah. fashioner, and who else can fashion you in the best way except Allah? But yeah, that's kind of my connection, and that was one of my favorite parts about the book. That's cute. What else did I like about the book? Okay, I don't, I didn't, I don't know if this is a like about. It was just there were quite a few things I thought were very mad about the insecurity of white women. Well, in <laughs> in those times, <clears throat> no. But do you remember the part where? Because of the fact, so she's talking about hair, right? And how, like, sometimes, like, she talks about the connection between racism and, like, hair. After she talks about how it's not, you, it's not only about skin color, it's also about your hair texture. Yeah. So then she's going back to, like, 1786, right? And she's talking about how a lot of white women's husbands would then go and be, find black women, right? Even their slaves, and, as you know, take advantage of them. The women were, the white women were very angry that their husbands were still looking at black women and their feelings were so high. So this is the line in the book. The feelings were running so high that the governor intervened, decreeing that black women must, by law, cover their hair in public on the grounds of maintaining social order. Does that I do remember make that. sense to you? Please. What kind of rubbish do we No, that? but that's part of why this book is important. That's part of why people, this book no, is no, important. No, of you course, know, of course. Cultural appropriation, like something like wearing turbans. Not that anyone shouldn't be able to wear turbans, but it is the fact that even now people would look at black women and say, oh, she doesn't look neat. She looks unkept. But there is like historical significance behind how those things came to pass. But not a lot of people have access to that information. So I I did find that in like this as well. That's why I love this book, right? I feel like it opens your eyes to some things. What I meant by madness is just the madness of the people at that time. That uh-huh. they cannot deal with their root cause of their problem, but then they're going to tell black women to cover their hair. And did that even solve their problem? Absolutely not. So anyways, sorry, that's me ranting. I said it goes back to the whole purpose of everything. It's about policing black women's bodies. It's not about addressing the the social ills or the, yeah, like if people are getting raped, that's First, what you should be ugly. Their men are still looking at us and they're still going to be making us, ugh, ridiculous. Ridiculous. Oh, Sorry, you know, what did you like about the book? No, the way you said the men are still looking at us, it reminded me of um, was it Tandy Newton? She had this video recently that caused an uproar where she was like, "I'm so sorry for mm-hmm. taking your men." She was apologizing for having. Oh, I um, had I saw someone sharing that somewhere, but carry on. For having privileges, and she was like, "I'm so sorry for taking your men." My mother looks like you. She's dark skinned. Bless her. Oh my! Who asked her to do the video? To be honest, I, I'm at the point where I just think celebrities should stop apologizing because the apology always makes things worse. So it's just like literally, just leave her life. Either way, you're gonna lose. Might as well just not apologize <laughs> or do it correctly. Bless her. Why does she don't understand why? 
Anyways, what did you? Yeah, like no, because basically in the past, loads of people have been accusing her mm-hmm. of taking roles that are meant for black women. So there was a time, um, there was a bio, bio, was a, what's it called? A biopic of Nina Simone, mm-hmm. and some reason I remember she, that. Yeah, and they gave her like a prosthetic, big nose like darkened her skin all of that nonsense when they could have found a dark skin actress oh my yeah i think the the comparison that people draw is between her and zendaya because zendaya actively rejects role Mm. that are for dark skinned black women she's like i I want no participation in Mm. this so the argument that a lot of people make is if you're so hurt by this you should have rejected those roles I disagree because I think to some extent, let's say if she didn't, I'm giving her a bit of a chance. If she didn't know better back then and she does know better now, she's allowed to change and she's allowed to evolve. But that apology, I don't know where it was coming from. But I think the other thing as well, or something that I saw, some people say that she does have a mental illness. So this is like a bit of a breakdown. So I'm willing to give her a bit of a flack. Ah, okay. Okay. This scenario. But just in general, I just think, so let me stop apologizing and literally just stop. We don't need it anymore. It's all right. Live your life. Action. Action is better than words. That's I agree. Because that's how we know, right? So if next time she had refused the role, that's how we know that, okay, she's definitely... Things are different. Forward. Yeah. We shall see. Anyways. Anyway, I agree with all your points. Um, I think when I was when I was listening to the book, one thing that it definitely did make me reflect on is my own personal relationship with my hair. And I guess when we start our conversations, we'll get into it. But I think for every black woman, there's a unique relationship that we have in our hair, in part because of society and the way in which from a very young age, we're taught to look at our, our hair. It's a very, very different path to, I think, every other cultural group, because to some extent, there are like other people's hair are seen as more desirable than black hair and then of course now we have this time where braids are in and everyone wants to have braids but at the same time we don't want to acknowledge um Mm -hmm. the significant (laughs) um abuse that black women have experienced in that process anywho there's that and then the other thing that i really really like like you were saying this book is so well researched and her definition of cultural appropriation is one of the best i've ever seen and it made so much sense when i was reading the book um because a lot of times when we have conversations about cultural appropriation people say oh what about black women wearing contact lenses what about black women wearing wigs um and we'll read the definition the definition that she gave later on but i thought that was whenever i have a conversation about cultural appropriation that's the definition i'm going to be using because it was on point mm-hmm. and then the other thing that i liked you mentioned it as well her just her reference to yoruba culture in general and contrasting it with Western attitudes, because I think when you get to learn about a different culture and the way in which they regard hair and their like the way they uplift hair or just the the relationship with hair is very different to the way that we are culture to perceive hair in Western societies. So that was it's not just even hair, you know. I think Yeah, go on. But what I was gonna say was that it's not just hair, it's the way how that a lot of the times or these days we learn a lot of things from the western perspective but when you then go to see other cultures you can see that there's such a stark difference in how they approach a lot of things yeah so for example the western culture they don't take dreams very seriously whereas not just in not just in islam right in in a lot of cultures dreams are seen as something of significance and i'm thinking about some research i was doing last year and it was to do with like aboriginals in australia is it australia i think so but they like dream was part of the way that they also taught each other and dream was very dreams were very significant um and it just it it got me thinking about how there's different ways that other cultures would see things or different ways that would 
different things with different levels of importance we place on different things whereas the west would have created a hierarchy and because most of us think from that perspective it's difficult to see sometimes but yeah i was just thinking about how it's not just hair but there's so many things that it's interesting how different cultures approach them differently yeah that's a good point about dreams that's true because islamically we do there is a level of importance attached to dreams right let's get into the conversation starting with hair and professionalism in school and work settings that's one topic that pisses me off yeah it just just pisses me off so much and i think i mean obviously as a visibly muslim woman sometimes when i think about hair and professionalism i think about hijab and professionalism almost along the same spectrum because till today i don't know who's the person that made this rule i don't know i mean of course i know who the person that made the rule is but like I just don't understand how they just how you come to the conclusion that hair is not okay. So there's there's a section on page one eight eight in the book anyway, where the teacher, the headmaster of the school in twenty eleven, where this a boy was excluded for having cornrows, right? Yeah. And the headmaster was talking about how um they're going against the the school rules. Because the reason why they ban Conroe is that it plays a critical role in ensuring that the culture associated with gangs or boys in particular has no place in their school. And then he goes on to say, what I am saying is that if we, t- if we were to permit the wearing of any non-traditional haircuts, such as cornrows, this would lead to huge pressure to unravel the strict policy we have adopted, and which is a vital part of our success in keeping out of our school influences which have no place there gang culture and pop culture interesting it just doesn't make sense so black hair is only tied to you know what what, the thing that stresses me out is afro is literally how our hair grows out naturally like it's not like oh we're going we're putting in extra efforts so white people can sleep and wake up and just put a brush through their hair and come in but we can't do the same we can't sleep and wake up and say oh i'm bringing in my afro to school or even at work they will tell you that it's not appropriate they'll tell you it's not neat who is to define what neat is that's that's and it's sad because till today we still have we still have this problem a lot of academies or what do they call these new type of schools i think it is academy trust or whatever it is that like there tends to be rules against black hair so to speak but then they'll tell you they'll come around and say no it's not about black hair it's about us wanting a particular look for our school and for our institution it doesn't make sense because in that means you tell everybody everybody should do something with their hair then It's, it's either everybody does something with their hair all together or we all come as we want to come no we got hair in the way that we want our hair to be that's why i like what she said about um like we use words like appropriate presentation like people won't outrightly come out and say here's my issue but we'll use language to veil the actual intent which is like disguising a lot of things yeah and I think it's just unfortunate that for a lot of young children from a very young age you're very conscious that you're being raised in an environment where the things that are natural about your physicality are heavily policed so I remember when we Police went to school and as well. sexualized exactly and sexualized as well different hairstyles like on black girls even even at work even at work I, there's this tiktok video that's going viral of this comedian talking about it, as a black woman if you go into your work with different hairstyle it's like literally everyone is at you like oh my god how, how did your They'll hair change so quick? questions mm. <laughs> what's your business like, some kind of freak show and i think just i, I can i can get a sense 
I can understand if people are coming at it from a sense of curiosity, but you can tell a lot sometimes from the way people are adamant about asking particular questions. Or if, for example, management tells you, well, um, we think your hair is a bit too outlandish and we want you to change yeah, it. So your hair attracts too much attention. It attracts too much attention. But on the subject of hijab and hair, I do feel like to some extent, obviously the hijab is heavily politicised as, politicized as well. We, like being a black woman, I remember one of my bosses telling me just like casually having a conversation with me about how he thought another black woman's natural hair was not professional and I was standing in front oh. of him obviously I wear hijab so it's yeah, like hijab okay. shows you from that conversation it does it does show me from that conversation like there's there are other elements that we share with other black women but in terms of like mm-hmm. the outright what do you call it policing of natural hair I don't like I don't get to take part in that but it was just, like such a weird thing when I had to call him out I'm a black woman as well and I have that your hair coming out my head <laughs> gone firstly i'm glad you called him out but what i was gonna say was i remember being mistaken in a workplace i'm not gonna mention for another black lady who had blue braids Mahmouda. so i feel like sometimes it just makes me think that it doesn't matter if you have your hair covered or not as long as your skin is it's black just dark they're gonna mistake you for the other person because it's just, just lazy i don't understand yeah it is but it's also sad like what 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 does it take to really pay attention to to someone and know who they are you work with me every day it just doesn't require that much effort don't bunch all black people together i, I was gonna say to be honest even in our community because i was just thinking locks were recently accepted in the army i'm just checking what year they allowed locks in the army oh, oh yeah that was on the news somewhere it was fairly recent 2017 yeah, it was very recent wasn't it oh yeah 2017 also that's when people started allowing imagine yeah, and it's not like having locks interferes with someone's ability to do their work, to do their work. Literally, to think, to do anything. Oh. It's one of those weird, arbitrary laws that people just pass. But okay, on on that subject of appropriate presentation or our perception of hair, I actually do think even within our own internal communities, there is a conversation to be had. Oh um, started. Particularly when it comes to locks as well, again, because of the perception of uh, only a particular group of people or we have particular imagery associated with locks that it takes a while to untangle those perceptions, even within our own communities. I mean, I was thinking about blue ivy, not even just locks. I think about like hair as in people say your hair is rough and the way that they look at you. And I just remember when that blue ivy's picture was out and people were attacking her parents. Did they not cope? Or even not just even the parents, they were attacking the girl herself. A young girl. How old was she at the time? Four years old. Barely four. She was a child, like a baby. And people were coming at her, comparing her with Northwest hair. It's just, I think it's sad because like, it's, it's, I think it's internalized. I don't know if it's internalized, if internalized racism is the word, but it's just, we've internalized this. You need to be, your hair needs to be neat and you need to be presentable, as you said, presentable, appropriate presentation. And so, when you see someone's hair like that, you're like, oh my God. But that's how her hair grows out of her head. If her mom doesn't want to comb it, she doesn't comb it. It's not that deep. But people really attacked her and they were just, they went in. Because the point that we we're making earlier about how society deems particular a particular look to be appropriate and to be presentable, I think to some extent we have internalised that as well, which is why cool. people would have, people would go on, on, on a madness if their baby hair is not laid. Because Gabby mm. Douglas, 
um, a gymnast, a well-decorated gymnast. I remember this one year when she was competing and God forbid her baby hair was not laid and the way people were dragging her on Twitter. And I'm just like, this is a p- appalling state of affairs because we're fighting a battle outside. We do not need to be fighting each other inside. <laughs> like, leave the girl alone. Leave her alone. And what you were saying about Blue Ivy as well, that's a child. I said that's the list of their worries. Somebody's edge is not being laid. Yeah, but on the other side, I think the reason why I have an understanding as to why perhaps those kind of things happen, even though they shouldn't happen, is because Emma Dabry does a great job of laying out the case of how people benefit from having good hair in society. Yeah, of course, of course. So there is there is a direct link between having, quote unquote, good hair or desirable hair and your status in society and the opportunities that you have, the elevation that you have, the desirability that you have, all of those things. That can also be said for people that are deemed beautiful by societal standards. Yes, You're treated differently. It's quite interesting. Looking forward to the beauty episode. Same. That should be interesting. But yeah, okay, so I think it's a good segue into the state of natural hair movement right now. And the reason why I brought it up was... So basically, natural hair movement sort of started as a way for, I guess, for black women to learn how to take care of our hair better loving our hair better but over the years I don't know about you but I just feel like natural hair movement isn't something that I associate with anymore because I just feel like it's been hijacked because even now we now have hierarchies of the curls that your hair should have like three the hair on the three level are the ones that you see on YouTube a lot and when I was younger you'd have all these people with three three a three b hair using like certain product in their hair and me with my 4c hair thinking if i go out and buy this product my hair is going to look the same shambolic let me tell you the amount of money i spent on hair products i can relate my reader trust me i can relate thank you oh my god they took our money but anyway yeah what are your thoughts they saw those dreams they saw that that's it that's the line <laughs> they saw those dreams i think one thing i've noticed is that even people with um, 4c hair in mm-hmm. this culture that we're in now, I feel like sometimes they also try to get their hair to fit into the acceptable curls. I mean, it's difficult to do, but I find that people do, they do try to yeah. get their hair into that state. You, I don't think I see a lot of people with their full seat out as yeah. it is. I mean, you do more, there are people, but just, I think about, I, I think about, again, the, what we're talking about, about privilege, right? When mm. you think about like movies that we watch these days, series, even though there's quote unquote more black representation, you yeah. see the kind of people that are shown on screen. And I guess acceptable, uh, acceptability politics, people want to be accepted more. So you do what you believe would make you accepted. I mean, I don't know. It's just, I feel like there's so many layers to it. Yes, yeah. I do. I, I want people to, to shrug their natural hair and show it more. But then I've come to learn that it's such a, there's so many layers to it. It's such a deeply entrenched entrenched thing that you have to think for yourself what you want. And if what you want is to show your hair curly, um, curly straight, whatever, then that's fine. But I just feel like the natural hair movement, as you said, has, has definitely been hijacked. And it's not to promote us i mean i know we're going to talk about it in, in the impact of capitalism but i think it's for companies to make money full stop and as you said and i think emma debris talks about in her book as well they sell us dreams when you look at like the package and you're like oh my god my hair can become like this and they make you want your hair to look like the way it actually not really is naturally that's how i feel i don't think i've seen many packages with 4c hair on on them when oh, and when the product is being advertised yeah or when even on the label of the product 
right? But then they tell me that the the product can work for my hair, and my hair will look like whatever it looks like on the body. Obviously, that's yeah, that's a good point. Oh my god, I was going to say something. Yeah, no, I think around when you were talking about like companies, because when you think about it, at the at the beginning also, it was like okay, you only need a few products, and then we've gone through a phase where it's like you almost need 20 products just to deal with your hair and all Whoa, of it is not necessary. you don't need 10 20 products just for your hair <laughs> like and i think it's good it's good now to see people just kind of stripping it all back and saying actually no you don't need a thousand products for your hair like just find the one that works for your hair and leave it at that and it doesn't need like your i hair. remember when people would buy all of these things you'd buy the mayonnaise you'd buy the thing that you used to do this and the thing that you used to do that and like so many things and people would show yeah. you a picture of their shelf right and you'd see like that they have 20 hair products and you're thinking how product junkie i definitely went through a product mm. junkie thing because you're just trying so many different things again because we were so the dream um but also your point earlier about people having the freedom to style their hair however they want i very much agree with that i feel like it is your hair you should have the freedom to do whatever it is that you want i think it's just yeah it's acknowledging that we also don't want like, I just think it's unfortunate that every single instance, 4C hair, 4C hair just is always at the bottom of the rung. Like, it's always at the bottom of the ladder. <laughs> Let me it tell you awesome. now. So, look, I just typed in something. I typed on Google products for 4C hair, and I went in the images, right? Mm-hmm. And I have three pictures that show you a slide. And the title of the slide is Most Common Hair Types Found in Black Hair. Guess which one is not on that slide? 4C. Exactly. Oh, my God. And I'm what thinking 4C is very, very common in black hair. But it's probably the most common. From, yeah, but then they started from 3A, 3B, and they stopped at 4A, 4B. And I'm a bit confused about that. So then it just means, once again, we're not being catered for, or we are being catered for in a way that's notoriously expensive and is unnecessary as well. Mm-hmm. In the book, I think there's a quote that says, if it's going to be curly, then it has to be the white kind of curly in reference to like natural hair movement yeah. and like mm-hmm. even for 4C hair you want you want the tight bouncy curls <laughs> you want like yeah, I'm gonna get it. the mixed race the mixed race hair curls oh my god it just makes me so sad like we should we should because I think that's one what's the- been championed on TV right so when your hair doesn't look like that you're thinking your hair's not good enough you're not beautiful yeah. enough because it's what you what's constantly being sold to you when you look around you, you see all of these adverts and you see all these black ladies their hair don't look like your hair. Mm. So then you're thinking, how can I make my hair look like the one that's supposed to look good? And you know what? I loved that chapter. I don't even know if I made a note about this in our record in our notes, but I loved the chapter about um how can he love you if he how can he love himself if he doesn't love your hair? Or how can he love himself and hate your hair? I really, really, really loved that because again, when you think about it, if we're people want to get into relationships, meet people, and so on, when you see what's on TV, what's what you're surrounded by, the media that you consume, whether we like it or not, it does consciously, subconsciously influence the way that we think. And yep. so you think you have to be a certain way, or your hair has to be a certain way for you to be appeal appealing to to a guy. Unfortunately. I remember there was a time on Twitter people were having a discussion about at what point um when people are dating do they take off their like do they wear their bonnets in front of their boyfriends and I also just thought like does wow, that mean that you're dating this person and you're going to bed without your bonnet because you don't want them to see you with your bonnet? You know what this reminds me of? There's a there's a series on Netflix called The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It's set in okay. like 1950s, 60s America Jewish culture. 
But you know what? The wives, what they did was they would, their husbands have never seen them without makeup before. So they go to sleep with the husband, with their, wait, they go to sleep with the makeup. As soon as the husband's already sleeping, they get out of bed, then they wow. wash their face, put their hair in rollers, then they set an alarm to wake up at least an hour before their husband wakes up so that they'll go back, freshen up, put their hair nice, put the makeup on, and that's how the husband sees them. That's stress. In the morning. And I kept thinking, what kind of wahala is this? <laughs> I want no part of, I'm sorry. <laughs> A mission. Who asked? Oh God. Uh, I guess to some extent we're lucky because once you're married, it's like sorry, you're gonna see this bonnet whether you want it or not. Yeah, but they're married. That's what I'm saying. They were married. This was their oh spouses, and they would go to bed. Oh, I was just thinking. And wake up early to have makeup on. What yeah, if you want to hair, swim? Like, they'll take out the rollers. What if you want to swim? What if you want to go swim with your husband? Are you going to jump into that swim? With your husband, they will not go swimming with them. Unless they're facing the inside the water in it. So they find a way. <laughs> like, upwards. I don't know why I'm laughing. This is society's fault. This is society's fault. It is. It is. And I just, I'm just I'm reading that book. What's it called? The Picture of Dorian Gray. Side conversation. But as the book is progressing, I'm thinking to myself, I can't wait to see. Because of this guy, the, one of the main characters, Lord Henry, Mm-hmm. because of his views so far I remember what one thought that kept coming to my mind was the way this man thinks I can't wait to hear what he thinks about women lo and behold a couple of pages later they give me what he thinks about women and I am screaming yeah. in my head because I'm thinking this man must must be mad and I don't know where they found him I don't know who <laughs> found him no listen to he said women are a decorative sex they never have anything to say but they say it charmingly Women represent the triumph of matter over mind, just as men represent the triumph of mind over morals. I remember reading that and I keep thinking, oh my God. It's the lowest opinion but, yeah. of women. It's actually, yeah, it's disgusting. Literally. You'd be amazed. Um, but yeah, I was just thinking about just relationships and like the survey in the book about, you know, women and their hair. And yeah. they're asking, like, you know how the like their um, spouses or their partners or whatever, how yeah. their partners feel about their hair, and how they would say like they don't like the wig, but then they also don't like your your hair the way it is, which is interesting. They don't want a woman with picky hair, but then they also don't want a woman. Ugh, God, to it's not a lose lose situation. Yeah, and I think you, yeah, you did no. when you mentioned when you mentioned the role that media plays. I think that's an important one to acknowledge because in mainstream media, whether it's like our TV shows or music videos back in the days, or even now, there's a particular aesthetic or ideal that's that's lauded or celebrated. That's the only thing that we see or that's portrayed as desirable. So then, of course, it makes sense as to why your everyday man would look at his girlfriend who has natural hair that sort of like his other counterparts are not discussing as like desirable why he would look at her and be like okay yeah that's not that's not my type or that's not what i'm into Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. it's it's, it's, now perhaps we're seeing more discussions of um african men or black men in general praising afro hair or natural hair but back in the days i think when i was in secondary school it was not it was not did you not see that time where there was this interview um, I remember this, I don't remember it vividly, but I remember when I was in secondary school, there was this, this young boys that were interviewed about black women and the things that they had to say about them and their hair, their, their nappy hair and so on and so on and so on. It yes, like words like nappy, kinky, too tough that we like words that we used to describe our hair. Whereas when I think of of our hair, I think like versatile, it's like luscious. There's so much like, there's so much bounce to it. There's so much strength. There's so much strength to it. Like, our hair 
is amazing. Honestly, like when I think about the, the different things that we can do with our hair, it amazes me. Like it's mind blowing, but that's not the way we see it. And I think the, oh, the other point that I was going to mention is I'm so, so happy that there's a new wave of children's book where you have protagonists or um, the girls having afro hair because i think it's so important from a young age our young girls are seeing themselves represented in these books because that's part of how we Mm -hmm. make change like so for them to grow up thinking oh she has hair like me she looks like me that's so important because we didn't have that yeah it is Mm -hmm. like a lot of the shows that i used to watch like the american ones yeah like everyone had mixed race hair so to speak and i'm saying quote unquote Mm -hmm. i'm trying to you know i'm trying to think of like with popular shows when we're growing up did any of them have apart from, even Auntie Viv was relaxed hair with fresh yeah, facial hair? Yeah, yeah. How many of them were even dark skin in the old shows Oof. that we used to watch? There were not Baby. many. I don't think I even can count. Don't open that box. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like shows that we watched that had main characters with Afro hair or natural hair. I mean, I, I can't think of. Oh my god! I literally can't because I'm thinking wife, my wife and kids. Even when have... I think about even a different world, which was like the Cosby, the uni version of the Cosby show, even like the darkest skin, she didn't. She didn't have an afro. Her hair was yeah. really like curled or yeah. So it's it's gonna take time to reverse decades of the same single messaging that we've had it's gonna take time it's gonna take time but yeah i don't know if i don't know if we'll get there i hope we get there because i definitely don't want my child growing up but i do think i like that we're seeing more and more black like i already know the books i'm gonna buy if i was to buy a book for a black girl for example same. Like, i know i'm not limited in my options and i love that i'm not limited in my options it's very cute oh shout out to hafsa dabiri representation oh yeah and also what's her name there's this nigerian author british nigerian author called tola okogu whose book is actually about to be adapted by will smith and david ayelo this doesn't concern me but the thing is i before this book came out she has a, a daddy daddy do my hair series which i love because all of the hairs she does it based on her kid's hair and they all have like full c hair and she has a series and it's always about appreciating hair so one of them is about Beth's twist so the dad does Beth's hair into twist but you get to see like different hairstyles that her hair can do in the picture even the book that she wrote Aziza's Aziza's secret fairy door again the main character is afro and it's not many times that you see these fairy secret books with a black character on the cover so that was just yeah it was just beautiful to see basically. I just remember this um animated show oh my god what was it called <gasps> oh but- is it the one with the hair where she had to go and do the hair. What was it called? The dad was doing the hair. Do you yeah, remember? I remember the one you're talking about. I know. I need to go find it. Same. Please find it. It's on I Netflix can't think. as well. Yeah, and Blue Ivy did like a voice in for it or something like that. I didn't know Blue Ivy did the voice in for it. But that was a big cultural shift when it came out. It was the um, one where they went to the... Um, I think the mom had cancelled something. The mom. To see the mom at the hospital. Yeah. Yes. It was yes. sick. It was like the cutest oh, thing. I just remember seen. what it's called. Hair Same. love. That's it. Hair love. That's it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what's that called? But yeah, like animated shows like that, it was so lovely to see, honestly. And that's, yeah, that's the kind of feel good content I want to see. Please, God. Yes. Let's change. Yes. Let's change. Yes. Let's change the wave collectively so that our young girls, because you know, they always do that test, oh, but I suppose it's about skin colour, where they ask like people, um, children to pick out dolls and they always choose the white dolls because even from that age. Yeah, you know, because of what you're taught from all of the books that you read, who do you see in them? 
Abul, you already know what's up. Right, should we go on to impact of capitalism? We're not going to stay long on that one because... It's very quick, sharp, sharp. Okay, so one thing that I really liked about the book, again, talking about the impact of capitalism in the way that black women are, like, targeted. Because black hair, like, remembering black hair is a billion-dollar industry. Like, people make a lot of money off the back of black women. Yet, more often than not, a lot of the ingredients that are in our hair products are really harmful. Even the ones that are targeted towards take so-called taking care, because we already know relaxers have dangerous ingredients in them but even Mm -hmm. the so-called products that are targeted towards people with natural hair people who have like 40 etc we do have products with really harmful products i need to there's a particular brand johnson and johnson they have a particular brand that i need to remember the name let me mute myself whilst you continue talking so i can find it let's think about how nobody likes us what i mean by nobody likes us is that there's no freedom for us if you relax your hair there's a lot of apparently there's a lot of carcinogenic chemicals in in relaxers the process of even curling your hair is painful the process of using the stupid relaxer with the carcinogenic chemicals is also painful because if you leave it for too long it burns and i remember malcolm x's or which i love that she referenced in that book when he first did that conkin thing and he talked about how the the process was just so painful yet he's oh i need to find it because she talks about it in the book she quotes malcolm x in the book um from his bio- autobiography where he talks about how he can't believe he's putting himself through all of that pain just for him to be looking like the people that turned him apart and all of those yeah, things yeah remember his um conking he loved conking he was excited about doing it and his hair had to be a particular oh i need to find it he went had to be a particular texture anyway, because that because that was what was in at the time where Malcolm X was talking. Oh yeah, I found it. Let me read it to you because it was so intense. <laughs> Malcolm X goes, my first view in the mirror blotted out the hurting. I'd seen some pretty conks, but when it's the first time on your own head, the transformation after the lifetime of kinks is staggering. How ridiculous I was. Stupid enough to stand there, simply lost in admiration for of my hair now looking quote unquote white, reflected in the mirror in Shorty's room. I vowed that I'd never again be without a conch, and I never was for many years. This was my re- this was my first really big step towards self degradation. When I endured all of that pain, literally burning my flesh to have it look like a white man's hair, I joined that multitude of Negro men and women in America who were brainwashed into believing that the black people are inferior, quote unquote, and white people, quote unquote, superior that they will even violate and mutilate their God-created bodies to try to look pretty by white standards. Absolutely amazing stuff. White beauty standards is literally killing black people. And that's not an exaggeration. Yeah, I love Malcolm. He's so funny. I found the one that I was looking for. So in 2021, there was a class action lawsuit that was filed against Johnson & Johnson with the claim that the company's OGX hair care product caused significant hair loss there was a particular hair product and i feel like people who use black hair would know it they had like different colors there was like blue there was orange anyway there was a particular ingredient in the product what's it called hind i can't say it. d d m d m h y d a n t o i n anyway that particular ingredient has been linked to allergies rashes hair loss and cancer so 
it's incredible that this hair product was being marketed specifically towards black women who wanted better texture, so to speak, or just like just to take care of their hair to make it healthy. That's part of the lawsuit that the hair product was about was marketed towards people who wanted more healthy hair. Yet the ingredient is actually one of the most dangerous things for you. And I think it's just like what a sad state of affairs that people are capitalizing, making money off of us, but actually just don't care about our health. And I don't even know why I'm surprised because that's that's the nature of the world that we live in anyway. But it's just time and time again, it's us black women that have to speak up and say, this is not all right. Like there's no conscience. That's because they don't care about us. Nobody cares about black people. I think that's one thing I've come to realize very quickly. There are not many people who do. Um, we're not always the first choice. It's not about, oh, how would this hurt a black person? A lot of things that would have caused outrage for other races, you don't get that same amount of rage when it comes to black people because black lives, I just have to say it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Oh, God, I can't believe I actually... (laughs) I know, literally, but it's it's just, it's so apt, that phrase, isn't it? Well, we still still even get fight about that. All lives matter. Why can't you say all lives matter? Why must it oh, just God, be that wise? Please. Ah, <laughs> oh, God. I don't even have the energy. Mm. Anyway, so yeah, I that's that's what I, I wanted to say. Like, please, 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 before you buy hair products, check the ingredients in it. Check that the companies have common sense. Check that, like, you're not getting bit worse health through the hair products that you're using, thinking you're doing yourself a favor. I think nowadays, well, especially for us with locks now, anyway, it's just the less products, the better. Oh, actually, let me shout another company. They ain't paying me, but I'm going to shout them out. And I, I've never used their product yet, but here I am doing free promo for you. It's Whoa, called Afrocentric. Afrocentric. Well, I've seen them. Well, I've never used I'm going to buy their hair product. It's vegan. Um, It's vegan friendly, but it just looks like I've seen really, really great reviews and I'm really excited to try it out. They have different sets for um different, they have different sets for different hair different hair types sorry so there's a lock set that I'm gonna buy but I think it's just really cool to have two black women at the head of this company that is doing its part and like making sure that you have safe ingredient in the hair products that we're using so I'm really really excited to support them and I am looking forward to trying it out there's so much about black hair more and more that I'm loving so just I mean on the on the conversation of company I know somebody wrote an article for Gardam which I'm looking to read called How Technology is Making Black Hair Styling More Accessible. Ooh. And you know what that reminded me of? I just immediately connected connected it to Emma Dabiri's comments about how Conroy is actually a form of technology when she breaks it down into like the fractals that I yes. use. Um, and so now it's interesting reading that new technology will help build a new community of hairstyling with information flowing through generations even easier than before. Thinking about how, I mean, in that context, again, I also was thinking about how slaves would braid maps into hair, right? Mm-hmm. And how just genius that is, right? Who would just think? I love black people. Yeah, I love them. Amazing. In the words of Issa Rae, I'm written for everybody black. <laughs> love her as well. Uh, love her. Cool. Okay, so your last one, I feel like you should take a lead on this. Around time and relationship with hair. All of that good stuff. We should end on a positive you note. You didn't share the... Yeah, but before that, you were supposed to share the definition of cultural appropriation. Go for it. No, because when we go onto our favourite quotes, we can discuss it. That's why I don't want it to oh, be is like... is that in your favourite quote? Yeah, yeah, it is. It oh, is. okay. Fair, yeah. fair. All right. So, oh, the last section then, I guess, is just what I was thinking about in terms of... what well, I loved how she talked a lot about time in terms of, like, 
it takes time to take care of your hair properly as a black person like when I before I locked my hair right I would book an entire day for hair care days it would be hair care plus Nollywood day so it would involve obviously me maybe if I had like twists I would take out my twist I would deep condition my hair I'd wash so the entire day was dedicated to it right and when you think about think about it from the capitalistic point of view or from the world that we live in where every amount of your time has to be accounted for and i'm separating that from the islamic concept of every amount of your time has to be accounted for because in islam you're also supposed to give everything it's due so taking care of your body is your body's in a manner is a trust given to you by allah therefore if you say you're going to take time to take care of your hair then that's also that could be an act of worship if you actually think about like make the right intentions Whereas from a capitalistic mindset, you're like, it's just your hair. Why do you have to spend the entire day that you could have spent doing all of these million and one other things on hair? And so I loved that she talked about how it's important to take care and take time and spend time on caring for yourself. I don't remember that. I have to paraphrase Audrey Lord, but I remember Audrey Lord was talking about how the act of self-care is also taking care of herself is an act of revolution. Yes. And I totally agree with that. Um, and in also in the concept of time, when somebody else is braiding your hair, I think one thing I also liked that she talked about was just how it's a form of love. So, I mean, I don't braid hair often, but I braid when I braid hair for people, it literally is literally that. It's an expression of love. It's I see you and I want your hair to look a certain way, right? And I'm like, oh, I know this style that totally suit you and I do it because I care about you. It's also a good bonding time. Have you noticed that when you go, if you go to do your hair, that's when a lot of conversations happen with the hairdresser, yeah. unless you choose to not talk, talk. But it's also a lot of, it's a good time for bonding. So I think like our hair requires time, yes. But I loved the emphasis on how it should be given its due time. Absolutely. And we should learn to think about it as self-care. Like your hair is a part of your body. I mean, she talks about a lot of like linking hair to spirituality and so on. But for me, ultimately, the takeaway was just the fact that think about time and how if you're thinking about, for example, capitalistic mindsets, you spend 10 hours doing something, you might not get the fruits. Or right? so I'm thinking compared to Islam, where Allah says the concept of barakah, you can spend two hours on something that could have taken somebody else 10 hours, right? So yeah. it's all about the intention. And I guess when you intend to do self-care, then that's also, it's also a part of living, I guess. Yeah. Um, another thing I was thinking about though is just how different cultures have different concepts of time. Um, and I think about just before, maybe, because I feel like the Western, inf- the Western ideas or Western ideologies have influenced so many things now and so many cultures that you have to go back in history to really separate them. But I mm. think about like some cultures I've learned about that would like they really valued like resting time. They really valued taking time to spend time with the family. Your hobbies were just your hobbies that you can. There was playtime, right? Yes. Whereas now we, it's almost like we police ourselves to do things, do things, do things, and and if you're not doing something, then you're wasting time. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think one of the most important things that we've had to like we we should be rejecting is like the concept of earning rest and play like it's just it should be an intrinsic essential part of our lives whereas mm-hmm. now it's like mm-hmm. oh every single hobby has to be profitable like is it bringing in money and it's just like sometimes you just do things because you enjoy it oh one of my favorites um i subscribed to nancy adimara's um, newsletter and literally a sunday newsletter was specifically about this she shared this short story which i hope i can summarize quickly so there's this fisherman in this village and he 
catches it was catching it caught fish one day and it still had some time in the day then some random businessman from the states sees him and he was like oh um you still have time like you've caught you still have time why don't you just spend more time catching more fish and he was like i've already caught enough that would like sustain me and my family then the man was like no but you know i can teach you how to I can teach you how to make money from this. Like he was breaking it down. He was like, I'm a Harvard MBA. I can tell you how to spend more time fishing. And then when you make the profit, you buy a bigger boat. And then when you buy a bigger boat, you can buy more boats on the profit of that boat. Then you have a yeah. fleet. Then you can even cross up middleman, open your own factory. He was just giving all of these things. Then you can move from this, your little village to anywhere you want, Mexico, LA. It was just going on, right? And then the fisherman was like, how long would all of this take? And the man replied 15 to 20 years. Actually, before that, the businessman had asked the fisherman, what does he do with the rest of his time? Because he was only catching fish for family's immediate needs, right? And he yeah. was like, for the rest of his time, I sleep late, I fish a little, I play with my children, I take a siesta with my wife, I stroll into the village in the evening where I sip wine and play guitar with my friends. I have a full and busy life. And the businessman was like, his life is not busy, basically, if that makes sense. Yeah. So anyways, he said it's going to take 15 to 20 years to do all of the stuff that this, this businessman, all of the stuff that he suggested. So then the fisherman was like, and then what? And then the, business, the businessman laughed and he was like, that's the best part. When the time is right, you announce an IPO, you sell your company, stock to the public and you become rich and you make millions. Then the fisherman was like, millions and then what? Exactly. And then the businessman was like, you would retire, you'd move to a coastal fishing village where you sleep late, fish a little, play with your kids, take a siesta, blah, blah, blah. The same thing that the man said he was doing already whilst he was doing enough. But then the question is, if this, this man is telling you that all of this profit, profit, profit things will take 15 to 20 years, what's even the guarantee that you live for 15 to 20 years? What's the guarantee that all of this planning is going to work? Why not just enjoy that life that you've carved out for yourself? But yeah, your comments about like profit, profit, making everything, turning everything into something that's profitable reminded me of that story. And it also reminded me of the concept of time. For the man, he, he believed he had a busy life, but it was actually a busy and full life because mm. he was given everything his due, family given his due, children given his due. He spent time in nurturing relationships. He was resting, but he was also ensuring that he was providing for the family. So nothing was actually amiss. And, exactly. and I think it's okay to live like that sometimes. You don't have to like chase and chase and chase and not really enjoy what it means to really live. And that actually links nicely into what I was just going to talk about. I think I've mentioned it briefly, but just how she was talking about the idea of worldview. It's a Western thing. And it just talks about how the, the West prioritizes, prioritizes the sense of sight. It was. It reminded me of a couple of things because she she references a couple of cultures, including Yoruba culture, where sight is not actually um, prioritized. And we prior we, we put all of the senses on the same level. I think for some cultures do anyway. And I kept thinking about how in Islam, when a lot thinks about when a lot like say stuff like do, do we not do they not see? It doesn't. It's not talking about sight. It's talking about using your heart. Obviously, not the heart. Heart like physical heart. But you know what I mean. Like using the heart to to see your aql. I don't know the, how to describe heart, but not your physical heart, but you, I guess your spiritual heart. But like, it's not the eyes, right, that mm. Allah uses to refer to when he talks about like reflecting. Um, But then it also reminded me of something I was reading, which was, I don't think people think it was Islamic, but the person was talking about how, again, in the Western world, because they prioritize the sense of sight, it actually links to how quickly people were to denounce God and believe, believe in God. 
because when you think about science a lot of it is about proving the existence of something that you can physically see and that's why sometimes people call psychologists pseudoscience right because you're dealing with emotions which you can't really see oh yeah and i was just i was just like reflecting on how the way that they see the world can actually influence so many things without us actively thinking about it like you just think about a worldview that's the worldview but you don't actually think about it on a deeper level of like what other things am I missing? What other perspectives am I missing when I'm only thinking about this from the quote unquote the sense of sight perspective? Yeah. Um, mm. but yeah, that is that is literally majority of my thoughts on this book. There's so much to take away, to be honest. Like so much to take away. I would definitely um, recommend it to everyone. I think yeah, it will make you think about it, your, oh, yeah. your hair and just learn. Yeah, learn it make you text realize how amazingly creative and intelligent black people are yes like just crazy the universality of maths and how maths has been in in, in yoruba culture for example for ages i love like how she related it to like those if the if what do you call those things that they Please. do uh, the, no not the yeah but the thing that they do with the calories and stuff like they had a calculation that they used but they don't actually think to themselves oh x plus y equals they literally just do it like that Mm. Um, and again it makes me think this reading books like this sometimes also annoying make me annoyed because there's a line in that book that she was like the suppression of black genius has surely stunted society as a whole and it brings to mind a lot of things i think about if we had been allowed to live to our potential during that time imagine how the world would have been i think about it in terms of also islam right in the sense that when I read a lot of books by Islamic scholars from old times, some of what the West are just finding out now, they had found that ages ago. And yeah. I just kept thinking, imagine how far we would be in life if we if they had just not thought themselves superior and they were willing to collaborate um, with other cultures. We would be so far and I, I, in a lot of things, in my opinion. But here we are right now, today, unfortunately. Um Oh, I said we're gonna end on a good note, though. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm. I was saying it's why writers like these are important. It's why it's important for us to tell our own stories and like share our perspectives. So let's go on to our favorite quotes. One of mine was "Beauty ideals are a long-lasting impact of colonialism," and I think it kind of just covers everything that we talked about in terms of. It's yeah. It's gonna. It's gonna. It's gonna take decades to undo because it took a more long than time. decades. I think. Exactly. years of slavery. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, when we when we talk about certain things about what is seen as desirable, it's just it's understanding. It's due to colonialism and also slavery. We didn't even talk about that um, enough about slavery in terms of like good hair. That's what I'm saying. There's a lot. Yeah, slave owners raping black women, and then you have mixed race children who then, which then creates a hierarchy of hair that's desirable. So all of that is covered in the book. But yeah, I like that quote. What's yours? Uh, one of mine is, oh, one of my favourites. Reclaiming my time is taking the time to practice self-care. Time too often denied in a brutal world designed to grind us down. I remember yeah. reading this and I kept thinking about that. I mean, I love that she referenced that woman. The woman reclaiming my time. I went to watch the video game just to refresh my memory. Maxine. Miss Maxine. Oh, I love it. Oh my I God. I don't know where she is it. now. I don't see any more videos from her. <laughs> Back then, she used to yeah, bang. I really loved that reclaiming my time. 
and a sweatshirt with that yeah that's a really nice one my next one is the natural hair hierarchy means it is easier for those with good hair to go natural and then to be praised as natural queens meanwhile women with the hair texture that is most stigmatized might be more likely to use wigs and weave and then face discrimination and i think yeah it speaks to sort of like the internal politics within the natural hair community itself that like for some people you know what it's it's kind of insidious isn't it like that for from a young age you can even be pitting children against each other and say oh you have good hair you don't have you have bad hair like those kind of things people say that to kids can you imagine yeah that's what this quote made me think of like you know like right from a young age you you can you can hear messaging like that of oh look at her hair is really it's really easy for me to exactly you can't tell how the texture of your hair would be right of a child's hair would be two kids from the same parents gonna have totally different texture and then you'd have commentary from family members that you didn't ask. Yeah, even in my house, like my hair texture and my brother's hair texture is like completely different. But mm-hmm. it's just like it is what it is. So yeah, I do, I do, I like that acknowledging that for some women you know in our it's double discrimination. Yeah, go on. This reminds me of some a memory from my childhood, a horrible one. I remember because my sister used to have, um, well, she still does, but her hair was like long and not like mine is really fussy and like it shrinks and so on. I remember when I was younger, a lot of like family friends or whatever would be like, oh, her hair is so nice and so on. So when my sister went went to relax her hair because her hair was really tough as well, even though it was quite long. I remember I was crying for them to relax my hair by force by fire because I just thought, because obviously they always complimented my hair and I was really young. I think I was like six. I just really badly wanted to relax my hair. Um, even though my hair shrank a lot, it was actually quite soft. So the relaxer ruined it. It started falling out. It stopped growing as it should be growing. And it was so sad because obviously at the time, I didn't know that it would damage my hair. I just thought it would look nice like my sister's when, when it looks nice, when, like, like when she relaxes it. Um, so yeah, it just reminded me of the things that we internalized when we were younger. And also what you see on the packaging of all of these products, their hair did not look like my hair. So we move anyway we want different for the next generation inshallah inshallah oh but in this age of tiktok let's see sha no but actually no let me take that back because i do think nowadays especially with instagram one of the things that's really encouraging is seeing the different ways like black um black women style their hair like i see a lot of people with 4c hair just enjoying their hair in all of its fullness and glory so i think perhaps we might be we might be turning a new tide inshallah what's your other quote mine is what is life for if not physical intimacy and communion with our brethren if at the end of the exchange we look better than we did before it's a win i really liked that as well yeah and because when i think about like braiding hair i think it's also especially when it's it's your friend that's doing it for you i think it's a nice way to reconnect and spend time together Mm. Um, and I think this was in reference to like how um in like in those days in Yoruba culture people would go to each other's houses to get their hair done or like with their friends would do hair, their friends' hair. It was also yeah. a time of bonding for them. We don't prioritize it anymore. Okay, my last one is um and this is the definition that I was talking about earlier. Cultural appropriation operates as part of a structural power dynamic where the appropriating actors belong to an advantage group. This group systematically extracts the cultural resources of a subordinate group erasing the subordinate group's involvement in the process. The structurally advantaged group becomes a primary financial benefactor of an innovation that was not theirs. Thus, individual isolated examples whereby members of subordinate groups occasionally borrow from structurally advantaged groups do not constitute acts of appropriation. And I loved that definition because there's there's three different elements of it. One, acknowledging the structural power that the advantaged group has 
Two, acknowledging how they systematically extract cultural resources. So I think about the popular popularization of certain things through hip hop in America, for example, and how you have like groups who don't claim it to be theirs. And then the third part, which is mm. then that the financial benefit of it is not for the subordinate group, it's for the advantage group. And I think specifically of the fashions when it comes to this not hair related even though they've had other hair atrocities but like when it comes to like clothing for example like you always have these big big companies stealing off the ideas and innovation of black women and then they come back and they're like oh no it's not cultural appropriation it's just appreciation so there's different elements to it it's like one you're stealing stuff without acknowledging and then two there's no financial benefit for the group that had to go through a lot of violence and abuse for this to become popular mainstream culture but then someone else gets to capitalize on it so like you know like often when you're having conversations with people about the difference between cultural appropriation and appreciation people are like oh but black women wear wigs and it's it's literally not on the same part <laughs> it's not on the same part at all so i i appreciate her coming up with this definition of cultural appropriation so yeah that's all my favorite quotes what's your last one my last one is, isn't it ironic that a hair type that can do so little remains the standard against which all others are judged? Shade! Yep. <laughs> What's the shade? <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry, I just Shading got it. All of those oh, people. Yeah, I just got it, yeah, I got yeah. it. Thanks, Madabri. <laughs> Alrighty, her. What's the latest book that you're reading? Oh god, I'm reading two books very slowly because I have so many life situations. But I'm reading the picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde, and I'm slowly reading the Muslim problem from the British Empire to Islamophobia by Ismail Patel. It's a textbook kind of book, but I'm really interested in in it. That so yeah, I'll let you know how it goes. That sounds interesting. I'm trying to, yeah. Where, where are you reading picture during Grey? I'm to borrow it somewhere. Um, maybe. Libby? There's so many copies, so many copies available. All right. I'll borrow it now then. What did you just finish reading again? Everyone in, Everyone in this room will someday be dead by Emily R. Austin. And, um, what would you rate time... it out of 10? I give it a three, but I thought it was a really out of important book. No, oh, no, not out of 10, out of five, sorry. I always, oh, okay. I always rate out of five. The way that I do my ratings, three is like, I enjoyed it, but I wouldn't read it again. Four is like, I enjoyed it, I would read it again. Five is like, I can read this many, many times. I never get bored. Mm. But anyway, so um, the book is about this main character, Gilda, who is an eighth, who, no, the most important thing about her is that she's suffering with depression and anxiety, but she's also an atheist and a lesbian. So one day she goes to a church hoping to kind of go to their free therapy service but then accidentally ends up doing like a job interview and then pretending to be a Catholic in a church. How did she mistakenly apply for an interview for a job? She didn't apply. So basically she was in front of the church Mm -hmm. and she was about to enter and the priest was like, oh, are you here for the job interview? And she just does not stop him the priest keeps talking and he's like oh come in um and it's kind of like one of those archaic church where even the priest doesn't know how to use a laptop um how to use a computer and the very fact that she can open a computer was like a huge deal so then she ended up getting the job and then she just didn't come out with the truth because she had just lost her job two weeks before because of her depression Mm. um but anyway i thought i thought it was an interesting book and it definitely like brings to reality like you know when like the way that you think and you you see it in a character it's very humbling 
So I, I loved, I loved her, like the way the author portrays the reality of dealing with like depression or anxiety. It was very apt. But I just think in terms of like sustaining a novel and then there's a, there's a whole murder mystery of who killed the person that was in the job before her. But I just felt like as a whole, there wasn't a lot of suspense in the book. So sometimes it dragged, but it was still, there were, there were good moments. There were good moments in the book. So I am glad I read it for sure. Yeah, that's it from me. I think I might take a break from reading. I was going to read Fortune of Men, but because I finally got a hold of it on Libby, but I just feel like it's the kind of book that you need the paperback version of. So I might you return it. You need the book, like the physical copy to read it. Yeah. yeah there are books like that. I agree. Exactly. So I might, I might return it, but yeah. I'm, I'm I not, get you in I'm, terms of taking a break from, from reading. I didn't read for the past, for a couple of weeks, but I just, my head space. But to be fair, yeah, okay, yeah. I think it's necessary to take a break because sometimes when you read it, when you force reading, it just doesn't go well. It's not the same. Exactly. It affects the book that you're reading more than anything else, and your perception of that book will be different if you'd read it if you were in a better headspace. I'd say. But I do really. I I read twenty percent of if I had your face before I returned it, and the writer, my God, she's really great. She's good. Yeah, I can't wait to give it to you. The twist and turns, like my heart was in my chest. She's such a good. Yeah, she is so good. I, I did not expect anything, so I'm I'm looking forward to reading that. So yeah, I have two books That's... to give you when you come. Can't wait to give it to you. What's the second one? You truly assumed. You truly assumed. Oh my god, my memory's yeah, gone black. black. I can't remember what black Muslims. Oh yes, that's it. Oh sorry. Mm-hmm. I was like, why does that sound familiar? But I can't remember <laughs> what that. But oh yeah, your review on Amalia was really good, and that. Wow, Allah legit my memory was like oh what's up coolio okay that's the end of today's show of course feel free to join in the conversation online on our twitter in our email please do Uh, we hope you gain benefit from the discussion if you've enjoyed the episode remember to like review comment and share it with friends and family book conversations available on itunes spotify google podcast anchor and several other platforms till next time remember Adios. Adios. Ciao.